I'm Jack Ruston. Welcome to the Ruston's Boneyard podcast. We're talking about real food, traditional cooking, nutrition, health and exercise. We're asking whether a more primal approach to life brings us further in line with the biology evolution has given us. We'll be exploring some of these topics with expert guests from the worlds of clinical practice and research. I'm not qualified to give any sort of medical or dietary advice, and nothing in this material should be considered as such. The opinions expressed here are for the purposes of discussion only. Please consult a qualified medical professional before undertaking changes to your diet. And now, on with the show. Brian Baxter is a qualified health coach and competitive obstacle course racer. He brings the scientific mindset that's carried him through a successful career in software engineering to the thorny issues of diet, exercise, sleep, and stress management. His social media channels are a trove of insight on the latest research, and we're very lucky to have him here today to share his approach. Ryan, welcome. Thanks. Yes, I'm happy to be here. And that was an epic intro. I don't think I've written that, written that myself. So <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that. Um, <laughs> so look, the, the role of a health coach, I mean, this is kind of a, a new thing, particularly, uh, you know, in the UK, I, I, I'm not sure whether the role even sort of properly exists but I mean it can't be that long long lived to kind of function over in the states either what what is a health coach what do you do and what do you not do I would think that uh, actually most people uh, in the states as well have no idea what a, a health coach is um, either um, or nor do they know that they could hire a health coach but um yeah so um, what do I do I kind of just view myself as um, someone who provides general guidance around how to live um, uh, what I view as a healthy lifestyle. And I think, you know, I obviously have a biased opinion as to what that is. And uh, when I work with people, I, you know, the first thing I try to do is screen the fact that, you know, we are both on the same page as to what a healthy lifestyle is, or they're at least open to you know, my interpretation of a healthy lifestyle, right? Um, and so uh, that encompasses things like some of the things you mentioned um, in the in the intro there, um, around sleep, um, exercise, movement, diet, um, stress management, and social connection. Those are kind of the six pillars that I, I tend to focus in on, in on as health coach. Um, I do not you know, do things like diagnose people with medical conditions or treat people in any way. I don't, um, I don't have uh, the necessary credentials, knowledge or schooling to interpret, you know, those types of things and, and make suggestions um, to treat people alongside, uh, you know, treat people with, with a, with a diagnosable medical condition. Um, I, I, happy i haven't come across this situation but i'd happy to work with a medical professional to help someone implement lifestyle changes that could help address a medical condition but um i can't you know treat or diagnose um, something like that understood I, I mean i i assume you find that sometimes when you correct some of the things that you that you do deal with that people turn around and say hey you know my uh, my whatever it is went away Mm. My, my psoriasis or whatever went away you know 
which which I guess is a nice side effect without you being a, a, a clinician. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they might, oftentimes people might have complaints about maybe it's digestion or it's, you know, um, you know, they're typically not huge medical type of things, but they're just like, you know, things that, that nag them, that, uh, you know, bother them, you know, they're not going to go to a, to go to a doctor usually, um, or there are things that they've just lived with. Um, and they're like, Oh, I noticed, you know, this, you know, like you said, psoriasis or my, the complexion of my skin or my digestion or whatever is just slightly better, um, after making, you know, uh, several lifestyle changes. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's definitely impacts that, and you can, you know, there's certainly health coaches that get involved and, um, someone may be diagnosed with, you know, pre-diabetes or diabetes, and they've been, you know, managing that with their, their doctor's medical supervision for a while. And, you know, all of a sudden they get involved with the health coach and they, the health coach gives them the, the tools um, to make dietary changes. And all of a sudden, you know, their, their diabetes or pre-diabetes gets, you know, much, much better than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while the, the health coach didn't necessarily, um, you know, diagnose or, or is, is formalizing like a, a treatment plan for them for that specific condition. Um, you know, the downstream effects of living a healthier lifestyle can often have impacts on, on managing, you know, disease states, um, you know, especially specifically some of these lifestyle related diseases that we uh, encounter today. I guess you have to be quite careful, don't you? Because if somebody comes to you, I mean, let's take, let's run with that idea of diabetes. If someone comes in and says, Hey, Ryan, you know, I'd like to work with you, uh, health coaching, by the way, you know, I've got this raging type two diabetes, but I'm seeing the doctor for it. And you then say, okay, cool. Well, listen, as part of the diet strategy that I've got for you, you're going to eat low carb, let's just say. And then the doctor says to them, no, don't do that. Don't eat low carb. That's a terrible idea. I suppose you have to be I suppose you have to kind of be careful about where, where you, where you tread. Yeah. And, um, at least here in the States, they're each state, um, in the U S uh, they have different laws around this. Um, some States you can give dietary advice, like the, the state that I live in New Hampshire, I'm free to give dietary advice in other States. you, can't say anything you can't tell anyone about uh, how to eat unless you're a registered dietitian or a medical professional right um so it's it gets a little dicey and complicated depending on the state where you live so is that the state Uh, where you live or the state where they live state where you live i see so yeah okay okay so um yeah there's a lot of kind of uh you know there's a lot of kind of obviously legal aspects to it. And then there's, you know, when you're, when you're kind of starting up, you know, I, I personally made sure to, you know, go through and, you know, have a, a lawyer write up a, a you know, um, a legal disclaimer about, you know, what I'm qualified to do, et cetera. And yeah. all that stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, in, if, if, if I'm working with someone, um, you know, I always make sure, you know, if we're going to talk diet and they're, 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 they have some type of condition like 
diabetes or whatever pre-diabetes that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to suggest you do this thing, but you should, you know, I always give that disclaimer. You should talk to your, your medical professional mm. you know, about this. And ultimately it's up to them. Like, you know, the individual person has to make the decision of what they want to do. Yeah. Their doctor might not agree with the approach, but you know, the, the individual person also has the right to decide how they want to eat. Um, if they've, you know, I also, I often tell people to look at things in a way of like, if you've been trying something, you know, maybe your doctor has been telling you to, to eat this way or manage your condition this way and nothing has improved and you haven't gotten better, well, what's the harm in trying something different, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that can, you know, be applied across the board, whether you're talking about something like diet or, or exercise or, or whatever, uh, or sleep or stress or something like that, right? Um, you know, you can, you know, only try the same thing over and over and over again and, and expect to see different results. But, you know, at some point you got to accept the fact that maybe it's not working, maybe it's not the right approach for you and you need to try something different. So mm. I suppose it's, yeah, I suppose it's frustrating when you see people who maybe have got to a, a point, almost a point of no return. And they're, you know, they've been, they've been told, so they, they've been told, well, you know, this condition, it, it's not really, there's nothing you can do about it. This diabetes, mm -hmm. you're going to live with this for the rest of your life. And they just mm -hmm. crack on regardless. And you're kind of mm -hmm. getting there late, very late in the day at the point where they have nothing left to lose, but they equally have nothing left to gain. Although I, I, you know, who knows where that point lies. Okay. So, you know, you mentioned the six pillars maybe you could elaborate a little bit more specifically and maybe you know pick a couple of examples of what you see as the big levers you know i mean obviously it's going to vary client to client but what mm. what are the what are the main things you're you're thinking of specific things that you're going to try to get people to do when you work with them mm. um yeah it's, this is a tough one because it's they all kind of interplay as to which which one's the most important and they generally vary from client to client, but, um, I think I'm going to start with sleep. I think, um, my bias is that if you're not sleeping well, you really can't do anything else, right? You're not going to have the energy to, um, move, to exercise your energy to invest in diet is not going to be there. Your, mental clarity and focus, um, for work, for your family, for that type of stuff is gonna, is going to go away. You're not going to be the best, um, friend, husband, father, wife, you know, uh, you know, anything like that. Um, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're not sleeping well. So I, I think really, uh, if your sleep is really, really, really bad, um, then that's going to be an issue. Um, it's also, that's also the hardest one to really address for a lot of people, unfortunately. Mm. Um, it can be such a tricky situation, um, uh, to, to get right. And a lot of people struggle with it. Um, but it is, I think kind of one of the cornerstones, I think to, to, to everything else, um, from there, you know, the age old debate of whether it's diet or exercise um, is more important. I think that exercise and movement are um, the, the two kind of 
next two that I would I would say are important. Uh, and I specifically keep them separate, right? Um, there's a exercise is not movement and movement is not exercise. Um, exercise is like, you know, this is my formal workout. This, you know, I'm going to go run. I'm going to go lift some weights. I'm going to do whatever. This is the 30 to hour, maybe, uh, uh, time, of, uh, in, in your day that you, you specifically, uh, set aside to do some kind of, um, you know, pre-programmed movement. Um, movement on the other hand is like, I just move throughout the day. Um, I walk, I, I stand, I, you know, I'm doing laundry, I'm cooking, I'm just moving around. I'm not, you know, sitting in a chair. Um, and uh, for most clients, this is again, another huge struggle because, you know, I can't tell you the number of people I, you know, just say, hey, you know, how many steps do you usually get a day? And it's, you know, two to 4,000 steps, right? And, and I know steps aren't the best proxy for movement, but, you know, it, it's the best we got, right? Um, and generally, I like to see people kind of in that, you know, eight to 10,000 range um, for the most part. It's a pretty um, good indicator, isn't it? Because, I mean, if somebody walks 10,000 steps a day or 20,000 steps a day, it says something about them. It says that, that this is a person that, that deliberately makes that choice to do that. And the chances are then that you can extrapolate that maybe they spend quite a lot the rest of the time on their feet as well, just because of the mm -hmm. that's the sort of person they are. Yeah. If you walk 2,000 steps a day, it's very unlikely that when your phone is sitting on the counter at home, you're racing around the house. Right. Yeah. It, it's, 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 um, it's pretty, I think it's, people don't give it enough credit to just moving around. I'd rather see someone who gets 10 to 15,000 steps a day and skips a workout than does a workout and gets 2,000 steps a day. Um, Interesting. I, I, I'd rather, because you're just moving around, you're, you, you burn far more calories just moving around than you will in that hour exercise session. Yes. Um, and chances are you're also probably, you know, not walking 10 to 15,000 steps inside your house. Uh, you get outside, you're in nature, you have sun on your skin, you get sun in your eyes. Uh, and then just that, just you regulate your appetite, you know, like th there's a million different things that just movement and all the downstream effects that that, that has um, is is so much better than say exercise. So I would, I would put, you know, sleep movement, then exercise if I had to rank them, um, just because, you know, the, the downstream effects of, of movement, you know, that I just listed off and that's just off the top of my head is, are so impactful everywhere else. Um, you know, you're walking outside, you're, you're probably getting some kind of social connection. If you're walking with someone, maybe you're talking to your neighbors, maybe, you know, whatever, you're going to interact with someone, you know, at some point during your day, if you're moving around, whereas if you're just sitting still in front of your computer and only getting 2000 steps, chances of you interacting with another human being in a meaningful way outside of like, you know, Facebook or Instagram or Slack or whatever mm. is, is probably much slimmer. Right. So you can social. You can so it's playing into social connection. Oh, yeah. 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 And, this, and so, you know, this is kind of where it also plays into sleep and because you're you're moving, you're getting more of that sleep pressure, you're getting sun in your eyes, hopefully at some point that helps set circadian rhythms. And so yeah. like, you know, all these things can, can really play into each yeah. other. If you take the dog out in the morning. Yeah. You, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. 
It's interesting, the dog. I mean, we got a dog recently. This just in the summer, we got this dog. And, and what I've learned about having a dog is that basically it curates you as a human being. You know, when you, uh, provided you have a cute dog, if you have a dog, <laughs> if you had the dog that looks like it just ate a person, then maybe it, it works the other way. But with a cute dog, when you go out, it basically says to everyone who sees you, this guy's okay. He's got a cute dog. How bad can he be? He's not a killer. A killer <laughs> would have a dog like this. There's no chance. That is not a I killer's see. dog. That dog does not have a spiked collar and is not dripping with blood. So this yeah. is okay. And so people that really normally would cross the road when they see you immediately mm. rush up and talk to you about your dog. And you have conversations about dog development, where the dog is in its cycle of either growth education or other progress mm. yeah there's mm. definitely a social that's definitely a combination of move, movement and social connection yeah i can see that i can see that <laughs> moving on yeah uh moving on diet i think uh is the next one um and again um it's it's extremely important uh i think this probably gets the most um the most attention from from everyone right because you know we, we look at diet as the end all be all to to making yourself healthy and, and maybe that's because a lot of people view health as what the number says on the scale but it's a completely different story but um yeah you know my approach to diet is i learned a long time ago that there is no one diet that's going to work for everyone um I kind of just say to someone that, you know, I really, the framework for my, for the diet that I'm going to, you know, build upon is just whole foods, right? That's where we're going to start, right? I, I want you to eat as much whole, unprocessed, natural foods as you possibly can. What that looks like for you is, you know, that's something we're going to figure out, right? Um, mm -hmm. so certain people you know, are going to eat more plants. Certain people are going to eat less plants. Some people are going to eat more red meat. Some people are eating less red, less red meat, maybe more fish or, or chicken or, or, you know, uh, fowl or some kind. Um, you know, some people are going to do pretty good with fruit. Some people, maybe not so much, you know, other people can tolerate things like legumes, you know, some people don't, right? Um, and they can do things to varying degrees, right? You, you can have a little bit of some, some stuff and not a little bit of other stuff. And mm. so it's just really across the board. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I used to be, um, very much in the mindset that, you know, low carb paleo primal was kind of the diet for everyone, but the more I kind of have been in this space, I, I don't even think that necessarily low carb is necessary or the right diet for everyone. Um, so I, I kind of just based around a whole foods diet. And then, you know, we have to go through the, the tough, you know, the hard part of figuring out what that looks like for that individual person. Um, and that's not set in stone for the rest of your life, you know, like, you know, what works for you today, the diet that works for you today may not be a good diet for you in 20 years from now or 10 mm -hmm. years from now or tomorrow even, right? I mean, um, 
you know, so our bodies are always changing and evolving. So we just need to, my, my job is to instill the tools uh, for you to figure out how to um, investigate the foods or, or find the foods that are working for you in that moment. Do, let me ask you, do you feel that you, you kind of alluded to this, but do you feel that low carb has gone a bit crazy that that people are actually sort of almost becoming terrified of carbs and that while there may be people who who for, for whom that's a legitimate position to take that really it's gone a bit too far and that most people should be incorporating carbs i think that i think there are some people that are highly influential in this space that have taken it to an extreme and I think, unfortunately, that that you know has negative consequences for the people that have been following um, those people in that space for a long period of time. Um, and I also think there's so much like you know just dogma about this is the one thing for the rest of your life that you need to do, right? And in reality, there's probably very few people that can eat a low carb diet for 365 days a year for the rest of their life, right? Um, and I feel like they, they feel like they need to, they need to do that, right? In order to be healthy. And then when they can't do that, whatever reason because it's their birthday or their kid's birthday or you know christmas or you know whatever they just feel like they want to have a piece of cake um they feel like they failed and then because they feel like they failed then they kind of just throw their hands up in the air and they're like well f it you know well let's let's just go all in and that going all in results in you know weeks and, and months and yeah this roller coaster ride. And instead of that, you know, accepting the fact that maybe one, maybe they could use a little bit more carbohydrate from time to time. Okay. And two, looking at it like this isn't something I, I don't need to eat this way. For most people, I don't need to eat this way 365 days a year. I can, you know, have the days. You know, when I eat a little bit more carbohydrate because I want to and not so feel, feel so bad about that and not have it negatively affect them at all. Like whether it's weight loss or their blood sugar control or whatever, whatever reason they're trying to eat low carb, like, you know, a couple of days throughout the year, you know, or, or more where you have a lot of carbohydrates are probably not going to be a, a, a huge deal. And again, this is in general, right? And if, if you start to, you know, do some of the other things we talked about, like sleep well and exercise and, mm. and move a little bit more, then, you know, this ends up being just like a, you know, those days end up being like a drop of the bucket overall. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it, to some degree, it's, it's gone a little overboard um, and we probably need to come back to a little bit more normalcy. <laughs> um, but I think it's also this this like guilt trip that people get put on around eating carbohydrates that is mm -hmm. really unnecessary too. Do you think people 
do you think there are people for whom that they they are in a very real way addicted to certain foods and the the low carb health kick the kind of oh you this is what we should be eating because it's better for our bodies is actually a way to say uh, uh, you know i need to avoid this 100% because i cannot moderate it and ev- and i'm terrified that if i eat you know a spoon of raw honey or a handful of berries what's actually going to happen is that i'm going to eat oreo cheesecake uh, from mm-hmm. now until march <laughs> oreo cheesecake yum um <laughs> don't say yeah. that it's, yum, it's <laughs> evil um but just as a complete side i don't know if in, in the uk do you guys have the cheesecake factory or even know what that is we know what it is um okay mainly from consuming american uh, <laughs> movies Garbage. and yeah. culture but yeah yeah we we have similar sort of thing yeah. my my favorite cheesecake from from the cheesecake factory is oreo cheesecake um but anyways side note yeah um yeah so I think I think there is a distinction here. Um, I don't think that there are there probably are. Again, this is beyond my my scope of practice as a, as a health coach. But in my personal opinion, I'm sure there are people who have um, you know legitimate addictions around certain types of foods. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, in just like if you're addicted to alcohol or drugs, the, the best approach is to abstain 100% from those foods. Yeah. Um, because if not, you, you'll you have a, a relapse, right? And it ends up very badly for you, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think that is um, 100% a real thing. And in those cases, like, yeah, you should probably not eat, you know, those foods that trigger you, whether it's carbohydrates or you know, anything else. Right. Um, but if you're, I also think that people say, you know, the word addiction is used in in a, not really in a medical sense of like, you know, I'm addicted to whatever potato chips or whatever. Right. Mm. And therefore, um, all carbohydrates are bad. You know, there isn't probably a person in the world that isn't a you know, quote unquote, get, you know, gets all the, the, the pleasure centers in their brain go off when they eat a potato chip. Like, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's, that's what it's just called. because we're, that's, that's because we're human. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean if you were to eat a, a plain baked potato that you would have the same reaction They're They both contain carbohydrates, but you know, your reaction to eating a, a plain baked potato and, and eating potato chips is going to be completely bad, uh, completely different. I'm, I'm willing to bet. Right. Um, so you can't, you can't lip, you know, lump these highly processed forms of carbohydrates into the same thing, the same group as, you know, a whole food carbohydrate source that hasn't been processed. Uh, because they're they're they usually almost always result in two completely different uh, reactions um, uh, from from people. So uh, I think that, but I think that they do get lumped together. A, a plain baked potato with nothing on it, no butter, salt, cheese, bacon, anything, right, gets put in the same group as potato chips, and they're both just as evil as as each other, right, and. In reality, I think that that's 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 not true. 
No, I think that's right. And, and yeah, I think, um, I think people feel guilty, you know, they, they kind of eat, you know, you eat your Oreo cheesecake, or whatever, you know, some combination of massively high amounts of energy yeah. and you, and, and, you, and it, as you say, it lights up every part of your brain and people feel guilty. They go, Oh, I'm addicted to carbs. You know, I just can't get enough of this stuff. It's like, no, no, yeah. that's being a human. I mean, that we're designed, you know, there's a big part of our brain saying, Hey, get fat, get fat. This is how you survive. Yeah. And you haven't shaken yeah. that off. Your genes are responsible for getting us out of the cradle of life in East Africa and up into the cold climates of Northern Europe. You know, yeah. you're the, yeah. you're, that's that's why we we're here. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, it, it, they they shouldn't feel bad about it, and if they really want to understand why that they shouldn't feel bad about it, I really suggest they they read Wired to Eat by Rob Wolf. Like that yeah. kind of explains why your your brain and why you want these foods and it's okay to want them everyone wants them it's not yeah. a big deal like you know there's there's the outliers that are like you know i really have no craving for whatever ever and that's cool but most of us are like yeah if you put a piece of cheesecake in front of us we're going to eat it and we're really going to enjoy it and we're meant yeah. to because that is what we did we needed to do to to, to survive hundreds of thousands of years right if you put something delicious that had a lot of calories in front of us we ate it and we ate as much as we possibly could um, that was available to us because we didn't know when that food was going to come back again or if we're going to get any food for, you know, for a few weeks, right? <laughs> so we just did what we had to do. I think it's really cool that if nothing else, what this podcast has achieved is to make you and I both really want a slice of Oreo cheesecake. <laughs> I'm going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to. Going right now. Satisfy. Yeah, I'm going, going to have to right now. that crew. Um, so look, we, we, we talked about diet in terms of the, any other big levers. We've talked about sleep, movement, exercise, mm. diet. Mm. Um, we've talked about social connection. Are there big kind of fundamental mistakes that you see people making other than kind of not doing these things? Do, do people come to you and say, Hey, you know, Ryan, I need your help. And you're going to be thrilled because I'm eating 500 calories a day. And, um, you know, what, what are, what are the mistakes? What are you, where are you like, Whoa, no, hold on there, Nelly. Oh, um, you know, one of the common ones I see, I think is, I see a lot of people eating, pretty low protein not eating enough protein mm. um you know I, I see people trying to fast a lot longer than they need to or think that fasting is the answer to their their problems or their questions yeah um you know those two things alone like both result in like dysregulated appetite as, as a downstream effect, right? The, the protein is just so satiating that they, they don't eat enough and then they, they wonder why they're hungry later on or they're, they're losing a lot of muscle mass. Yeah. Um, How much protein uh, should people be eating? So this is the age-old debate, you know, what's the right number here? I generally just go with, if you're not, you know, like really obese, just go with one gram per pound of body weight. Um, most people are going to undershoot that. It, 
the one gram per pound is probably more than you need, but most people undershoot it anyways. So you'll probably put them in a spot where they, they actually, you know, get enough. Um, so there's a nice buffer there. If they eat more than they need that, you know, there's really, there hasn't been any science to prove that that's a bad thing, um, either. So unless you're, you know, if, if you have kidney issues to begin with, then that could be an issue. But outside of that, that state, you're, you're probably okay eating more than you need to. Um, and it's certainly much better than eating less than you need to. Um, so I, you know, that's my general recommendation. Uh, you can get more fancy if you know your uh, lean body mass and et cetera and stuff like that. Uh, but most people don't. So we just kind of go with, if you're not obese, then do one gram per pound of body weight. Or if you are obese, do one gram per pound of your ideal body weight, what you want to be. Just keeps it very simple. Wow. Um, yeah. And that just helps people kind of regulate their appetite, keeps muscle mass on them. Um, and, and then from a fasting point of view, I see a lot of people who are like, uh, you know, I'm going to fast. I, you know, I don't eat until lunch or I only eat one meal a day. And then they come to me and they're like, oh, you know, all of a sudden when I start eating, like, I just can't stop. Like, I, you know, I, I, I'm, it's time to eat and I'm, I've stopped and I, I've finally decided I want to eat something. And like, I just can't wait to finish cooking the meal that I want, that I'm going to eat. And I'm like snacking and rummaging through the cabinets and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because you, you haven't eaten all day and you're, you're hungry. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, uh, of course you can't wait to, to finish cooking the meal. Um, and you can't stop once you've started. So let's try like having breakfast you now. Uh, let's, let's just keep you a little bit more well-fed throughout the day instead of letting that hunger sensation build up until, you know, mid afternoon and all of a sudden you're just ravenous and you can't satisfy your hunger. Right. Um, those are, those are two com common, uh, mistakes I see. And it's, um, it's particularly, you know, with very active people, isn't it? You get, you get this kind of thing. You get these people who are very active, mm -hmm. alpha kind of personalities, high achieving. They're going to exercise more than other people. They're going to lift heavier. They're going to run faster and further, and they're going to fast longer. And they're going to, you know, you know, they're going to eat. They're going to, in every way, screw this down. You've you've talked before about this energy crisis. Could you just mm. explain a little bit about how that works? This, this whole idea of uh, how much energy you have available um, is, is kind of a, a passion of mine because it's, it's really um, where a lot of my health struggles had originated from and uh, what led me down the path of being uh, a health coach or wanting to become a health coach in the future because I, I wanted to help people kind of avoid the mistakes that I ran into and, and basically what I see a lot of time is, is people uh, moving to a more ancestral diet, um, low carb or keto diet, or, or maybe they're just moving to a plain old ancestral diet. They're just eating a whole bunch of more whole foods than they, they were before and trying to improve their health. Uh, and at the same time, they're, they have ambitious goals of being an athlete or they're just a super active person. Uh, and they end up eating, um, a far fewer calories because just by default, uh, a, a whole foods ancestrally online diet is going to be less calorically dense than, um, a kind of a standard Western diet. And 
Um, they initially might feel great. They, they, they might lose a little bit of weight. Their, their body composition improves. Everything's feeling good. And then all of a sudden, everything just kind of goes south, right? Their, their, their athletic performance declines. Their, they have mood issues. Their sleep goes out the window. Um, you know, uh, the, their, their cognitive ability goes, goes south. Maybe they even start to no, notice weird things with their their sex drive, or uh, if you're a female, your your menstrual cycle, um, and they start to have all these kind of weird uh, things that they, they can't explain. They're like, oh, you know, my diet's much better than it was before, um, but everything else just seems to to go south. And and lots of times it has to do with the fact that they're just in this low energy state um, that they're they're. They feel like they're eating enough. They're full. They're satiated, but their their the amount of energy they're expending is mismatched. They're, they're they're expending far more calories than they are taking in, um, and and that ends up having a bunch of hormonal issues, and the body starts to to try to survive basically by shutting things down and and turning off processes that aren't needed for survival. Um, and, and that's where, you know, they start to run problems like I did. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I, I was, I was good for a while and then I just went off a cliff and yeah. I, I can remember just sitting, freezing my ass off in a warm room, yeah. sitting on the, sitting in a chair and just thinking, I just, I just can't be bothered to stand up and do anything. Yeah. And, you think, and, and yet every day I was going into the gym and doing these, these 90 minute one, th- I, I had this thing in my head, I was going to do a 1000 rep circuit and it was every mm-hmm. other day, 90 minutes. But mm-hmm. then I was eating like 1300 calories or so. I don't know yeah. what I was eating, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. And it's all good for a bit and you use your fat, but when you run out of fat, you're just yeah. done. And then I, and then I weighed myself and I weighed 55 kilos and I, I realized that I was eating my own body in order to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. I had a very similar experience. You know, I, I, I would go out for a run and I could, I could run forever and then I'd come back and I'd just be a useless piece of garbage. (laughs) I had a young daughter who was, you know, wanted wanted to play and I had no energy to get off the couch. Right. And my mood just sucked. My sleep sucked. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that was it. And, um, you know, it, I, you just, you kind of just feel like garbage and it's a hard thing to like, just wrap your brain around and be like, you're doing everything right. I'm doing what all these, these experts say, I'm eating this healthy diet and, and, um, yeah, you just, you gotta have to come to a hard realization that it's, it's probably your diet and the amount of energy you have. And, and yeah. I had at when I finally found someone to work with, um, they measured, uh, my insulin, um, and it was unmeasurable. The lab yeah, mine was too. The lab couldn't come back with, with any measurable insulin in my blood, yeah. which, you know, if you were to, <laughs> based on the messaging that you hear, uh, you know, in the, in the low carb and, and keto space, you'd be like, Oh, you, you've, you've hit no insulin. That's it's great. And I'm like, well, I've never felt worse in my entire life. So, uh, is that really true? Right. Um, so yeah. It's, there's a, a u-shaped curve to, to most things and i was on the, the bad end of that curve <laughs> yeah it's very familiar i mean so 
I mean, this is interest. It's an interesting thing because you, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times the family and your and your and your daughter and all this kind of stuff. And I, you know, I'm in the same boat. And I, I think sometimes there's a, a line to be drawn between dedication and selfishness, where we see these. I mean, like, so for example, I mean, you know, it's common in our, in obviously in our culture to look at all these guys who are doing incredible things. Maybe they're trekking to the North Pole, or maybe they're, um, you know, these kind of guys that climb mountains with no trousers on, or whatever it is they're doing. And and we look at them and we go, oh my God, that guy, that guy's amazing. Or, or actually, you know, the military guys a lot. Oh, these guys are incredible. So it's amazing what they do. They're they're heroes. But a lot of these people are unbelievably selfish. You know, the things that they're choosing to do in order to and in order to and I accept push the human race forward, which they are. They are necessarily by virtue of opportunity cost sacrificing the family life and whatever. Do you find as a health coach that that you sometimes need to say to people, look, you spend some time at home with your family you are not making yourself better by not being home because you're because you're desperate to run 18 miles or whatever it is do you, do you have you battled with that yourself mm. uh certainly something i battled with myself um i a, f- a few years ago i i got in my mind that i was going to do a, an ultra distance obstacle course race and i did it um and i completed it and after i I finished it. I decided that I, at this point in my life, I'll, I'm not going to do another one because the amount of training it took to do that was just too much. It was too much time for me to be spending away from my family, away from my job and, and out there on the trails at this point in my life. But maybe when I'm, you know, my kids are older and things are a bit more relaxed and yeah, I might consider doing it again, but at this point, probably not. Right. Mm. And it's funny because I, depending on who I'm talking to, I, I need to have different conversations, right. For, for the hard charging person that's spending so much time, you know, thinking more and more and more is better. Oftentimes it's like, you know, pushing the brakes on them and be like, okay, you know, let's, let's take a little bit of break here. You only need to do 20 minutes today. You don't need to be out there for an hour and a half. Like, you know, it's going to be okay if you're, if you're not, you know, destroying yourself today. And there's other people where you really need to like, all right, well, how can we organize your life so that you put your prioritize yourself and you actually can get to the gym to do a workout, right? Like, you know, there's, there's far more people on that end of the spectrum where it's like they put everyone else first and they don't prioritize themselves. And that leads to health issues. Then there are people that prioritize themselves too much and spend too much time in the gym and too much time focusing on X, Y, Z, you know, optimizing their health. Um, you know, there's, there's this happy medium there. And I think there's people that sit at both ends of the, the curve. I always tell my, my wife that she's like this, this rare oddity where she, she sits right in the middle. She, she knows exactly what the right amount is. Like just intuitively, she knows the right, she knows when to take a break. She knows when to, to go out and exercise. She knows, you know, how to moderate her diet based on what she's doing. She's completely intuitive person, but she's like this, this unicorn. Like I've never seen anyone else like it. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, so it's it's definitely definitely something you need to be mindful of. Um, and, and depending on the person, your your personality, your type A super hard charter, like yeah, it's probably okay to dial things back. Um, yeah, and take a break. This gives me an amazing idea. So you're a tech guy. You're a, you're a computer programmer, aren't you? So let's make an app. And what you do is you put in the amount you train per week. And then you put in like, you have to answer like a commitments questionnaire. Do you have kids? Do you have a partner? Blah, 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 your job, whatever. And then what you do is it analyzes every day what you're doing. And there's a little lever that swings across, a little arrow that swings. And on one side, it says bastard. And on the other side, it says martyr. And it just swings between the two, telling you <laughs> where you are, where your barometer is. I mean, so you're you you as I say, you're a tech guy, you know, you're a computer yeah. guy. And I know you like to track and stuff mm. like that. I'm a little kind of anti it because I think it kind of gets people into a funny place when they track too much or at least it got me into a funny place but mm -hmm. I'm in, and I don't really want to yeah we all know the advantages of tracking endless or, or the disadvantages but I'm interested to know where do you think it could go what do you think could be done in terms of tracking some of these things is there some interesting place it could go um I, I think whenever you track something, you need to, it needs to be associated with some type of action. Like you need to know how to interpret what you're looking at and then know what to do with the data you're looking at, right? So a good example is like, everyone's all into like a CGM, right? Like being able to continuously monitor your, your, your blood sugar is, is like, the new hot thing, right? And for those people who might not know, CGM is just a, a continuous glucose monitor. It tells you what your blood sugar is in, in near real time. It's like five to 15 minute increments or something like that, right? And everyone is kind of, you know, talking about these things and how they can improve your health, et cetera, right? I, I think it's great. Like I wore one for three or four months, right? Like. I thought it was super interesting. I loved it, right? But for the average person, if you don't know how to interpret that data, what you're looking at, or what to do with it, what use is it, right? Like it, it doesn't make any difference, right? Um, and the same thing is like if you could say about like tracking your HRV, your heart rate variability, which is a sign of stress. You know how much stress you're under. Same thing could be said about tracking your weight. Like if you don't know what's causing your weight to go up or down. What good is that number, right? Um, it, it's, yeah, it could uh, be it's muscle, like, could be fat, right? Yeah, it's yeah. looking. It's like looking at, you know, your 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 the your blood draw, right, from your doctor. You, like you don't know what any of those numbers mean, or you know, if something says high or low or whatever, and you don't know how to fix it or what that means. Like it's it's no good to you, right? So it's it's being able to take the data and actually do something with it. Uh, that is, is that is most meaningful, right? Um, so, like, I think CGMs would become super useful when, yeah, I can. Something's gonna have to look at that data and be like, okay, Ryan, here's what you need to do, right? Whether that's a person, like a health coach, or that's a you know, in the future, maybe some type of machine learning or artificial intelligence, which I find that to be way, way, way in the future, but. Um, 
but yeah, like you have to have some, you have to have some actionable information associated with that data and know what it means, right? Um, I think people are like, oh, you know, you know, the thing people are excited about is like, you know, Apple's rumored to be able to, you know, working on like CGM like functionality in their Apple Watch, and I keep on telling people, I'm like, yeah, great, but like, the average person wearing an Apple Watch has no idea what that means or even cares or knows what to do with that data. Like Apple's gonna, and they're pretty good at this. Like Apple's gonna have to come up with some kind of way of providing you actionable information from that data um, that that's meaningful for you for to be useful, right? So I think tracking is good as long as you're tracking for the right reasons and you know what to do with that data and it's not stressing you out beyond belief. Like some people get super stressed tracking their food. Some people get super stressed tracking their weight. Some people, you know, really, you know, if they were to have a CGM on and they saw their blood sugar go up to 140, they're going to, you know, they're ready to call 911, right? Like that's not good, right? You know, same thing, like tracking sleep is another thing. Like that can really mess with people depending on who you are. Like, or I, I love the aura ring. I think it's great. I like to look at the numbers. But if you're having sleep troubles and the aura ring is telling you you're having crappy sleep every single night and that's making it impossible for you to get a good night's sleep, take the damn ring off. Don't wear the ring. <laughs> like it's not helping you, right? It's, it's not providing you any useful information, right? So while I'm a huge fan of it, like it has to be actionable and it has to not cause you stress. So. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting take. I think, you know, it's so true in terms of, the value of that information you know we've all been on these blood work fishing trips where you get this huge raft of numbers and then you sit there looking at ones which are in and out of range really with no clue of how often they change or how much they change and then you you know you say to yourself oh this isn't good i need to somehow improve this you know people terrify themselves you know with these um with these tests i guess yeah, yeah. um yeah. yeah it's 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 interesting so interpretation is the key um uh, but but of course, doctors often don't know the answers. So it so I guess what you're saying is it's going to come down to sort of specialist private companies maybe developing real actionable ways to look at some of these bits of data. Yeah, I, I think in the future that that's going to be the case. I think that um, you're going to have to have specialists or, or, you know, hopefully in the future we can develop some type of algorithms that, that can piece some of the mm -hmm. stuff together to help kind of lead you in, in the right direction. And even then I feel like there's, there's so much, you know, around health, there's so much individuality and, and personality that, that comes into play that a, a machine or computer is not going to be able to account for that. I, I feel like it's still going to be just kind of like general guidance and, and you're really gonna, you know, it, it's not gonna be, you know, prescriptive in any mean for most things. Um, so, you know, what I encourage people to do is to use tech in 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 track stuff if 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 they're okay with that, if that works for them. But ultimately, their own intuition and subjective experience always overrides it. Right, like it, it's always the most important. So, I, so for example, I don't care if you eat if you eat a, a bowl full of white rice, and the CGM says your blood sugar went to one fifteen. Great, you stayed within range. But if you feel like you want to take a nap after every time you eat a bowl of white rice, don't eat the white rice. Like it doesn't make you feel good, right? Like it, it 
I don't care what the CGM says. You, you're, you don't feel right after you eat it. So don't do it. Right. So like your subjective experience, the way you feel, what, what you, you know, how you perform always overrides no, the, the tech in all cases. Right. Um, yeah. So, that's a good, that's a really good, that's a really good it, bit of advice. And once you can get that, once you get to that point, then you can use the tech to inform your decisions. But the real, the real information is coming from within. It's coming from within yourself, um, and you don't need to rely on it anymore, right? Like I can, I can look at a, a, a sizable sweet potato, and I, I know roughly how much I'm supposed to eat, right? Like I, I don't need to enter the exact grams into chronometer to figure out mm. how many grams of carbs are in it. Uh, to know whether I should eat that amount, right? So I can go out and be without a scale, without my food tracker, and and eat, you know, the right amount of food. But ultimately, the tracking for a little bit using chronometer got me to that point, so I could, you know, yep. uh, judge the the right amount of food. Yeah. So it's like um, you use these things, you track your HRV, so that you so that you get to learn which workouts deplete you the most, and then you kind of don't even need to look at it. You're like, okay, yesterday I did heavy deadlifts. I'm not. I'm probably going to be half speed today, so I'm going to do something more gentle. Yeah. Um. All right. Some quick fire questions. You've talked about the importance of routine. Mm-hmm. Um. Morning routine. What's your morning routine? Hmm. I have a, a good one, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so I wake up in the morning, I go to the bathroom, I check my HRV, um, I head downstairs, I meditate for 10 minutes, I then do 10 minutes of mobility, I hop, I then do around like 20 minutes of like kind of just like low level cardio. So I have a, a a, a, a rower, a, a skier, and a treadmill, and a, 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 um, a fan bike, a Rogue Echo bike torture device in my basement. So mm-hmm. I'll hop on those for a little bit and, and just, just do some easy, gentle movement, you know, just to get my body uh, going. Uh, come upstairs, get the kids' lunches packed, get them off to school, come back um make myself breakfast and start my day <laughs> start working awesome yeah so um do you have any particular lifestyle hacks in inverted commas that you use i i do like cold showers mm. um i i do it more for the mental benefits than anything else i think doing something hard every day that feels uncomfortable is good uh good for the human being not for everyone um, I, I don't know. My biggest hack is like walking. Like I love walking, yeah. uh, just walking outside, taking a break, just, just being outside. That's, that's literally like, if you ask my wife, like, that's the one thing I do like consistently all the time is just walking. Yeah. You and I are the same person. I think <laughs> I, I'm a, I'll take any excuse to walk yeah and yeah. i do the cold showers as well every day and i love I, I, I don't like getting in but i love getting out it's and that sounds obvious but actually you feel amazing and warm and good to go after that and i don't feel like that after a hot bath it actually feels uncomfortable yeah. on my skin now hot water yeah. like i feel claustrophobic in the bath yeah 
Yeah, I have, I have a sauna too. I'm lucky enough to have a sauna too. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I don't know if I prefer one or the other, but there's there's certainly um, the the mental aspect of getting of turning that shower cold and mm-hmm. doing it purposefully is 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 much harder than getting in a sauna. Yeah, the, the sauna is nice. We have one of those um, portable ones that's like a kind of cross between a used condom and a suit bag. <laughs> you kind of sit in it on a towel sweating and yeah, yeah it's kind of horrible um but i but I, yeah i'm eking every last bit of life out of that thing um any little bit of research that you've seen recently that you think is particularly interesting yeah i was you know i was just listening to a, a podcast with um two of the people that i i probably respect the most one of the two of three people I expect most in, in this in, as far as like scientists uh Dr. Tommy Wood and, and Dr. Ben House and mm-hmm. they were discussing whether um, um uh, you know saturated fat caused heart disease like this this age-old you know debate of, of saturated fat causes heart disease and they're they're discussing this this new study um where uh you know they they put these people in caloric deficit their 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 cholesterol numbers um kind of improved they they dropped and then they returned them to um caloric maintenance and uh, fascinating enough you know the some people's cholesterol stayed the same some people's continued to decline and some people's to can continue to go up and i think you know, this, this age old debate around what's good for cholesterol, whether cholesterol is good or bad, or, you know, or fat is good or bad for your cholesterol numbers. I, I think that, you know, the more and more research that comes out about that is just like, we have no idea. It's com- yeah, we've got no be, clue. It's going to be completely individualized. Um, you know, some people respond in some better in some ways, some people respond worse in some ways when they eat more fat it's, it's, it seems to be you can look at the average and the mean and the mean and the average might say you know on average you know people might respond not so good to adding a lot more saturated fat when they're in a core maintenance or surplus but then there's other people that don't respond that way right mm. so it's like you know i don't know that that whole space of around cholesterol and and what's what's right, um, you know, what's good, what's bad, what leads to heart disease, what doesn't, um, is, is really fascinating. And I think we just have a lot to learn in this space. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a minefield. I love Tommy yeah. Wood too. I think he's just such a smart guy. Every, every, everything you hear with that guy, he's so measured and says, well, actually look, you know, this is, yeah. he cannot, he's, he's a great, um, He's true north, isn't he? You know, like if 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 you get a little bit skewed with these wild ideas, he'll always just pull pull you back into a kind of well, this is sort of what we know and what we don't know. So yeah, he's yeah, awesome. Like that. One of my favorite people. Um, you've been posting recently that you're doing a grip competition. Is is that just to do with obstacle course? Your you know, fitness for obstacle course racing? Is that your motivation there? So kind of my um so shout out to my coach um dr mike t nelson 
Mm. Um, he's kind of got me into this, this whole grip competition thing. And originally it was because, you know, we were using various different uh, grip training, um, you know, uh, tools for, for uh, my goal of obstacle course racing. And um, now it's kind of in the winter, most, most races aren't, aren't happening right now, but um, there was a, a grip competition that was coming up and he's like, Hey, I think you'd be really, you know, you'd have a, a decent fighting chance at competing in one of these because you've been doing the training anyways and your, your grip is really strong. So, um, yeah, I have, it's this Saturday. So, um, oh, amazing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the final stretch here. So, uh, like, I'm going to be doing I, it. Yeah. If, um, if anybody wants to find out what grip training looks like it, it it's not just you don't just sort of stand there with a chicken in each fist and 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 garrot it you there's all kinds of strangely shaped bars and things that ryan uses so where can people find you where can they see your grip videos and indeed contact you with regards to health coaching and all that stuff yeah so uh best place there's a couple of places so um for like all you want to see all my weird grip stuff, my lifts, stuff like that, exercises that I do personally, um, you can go to my personal Instagram page, which is Ryan Jason Baxter. Um, that's where all kind of like my personal stuff is. Um, the health coaching side uh, of what I do, you can um, uh, get more information on Instagram at uh, RJB Health Coaching. And uh, I have a website. Uh, rjbhealth.coach and if you it's not .com it's .coach literally .coach if you go to that website at the top there is a link uh, uh, it says newsletter you jump on click that link and uh, enter your email address and sign up for the newsletter and you'll get all the, the blog posts the newsletters you know videos all the stuff that I put out as far as uh, health coaching uh, from there. And that way you can kind of keep up with what I'm putting out from a health coaching perspective uh, without having to stalk me on social media, if that's not your thing either. Um, and yeah, if, if you're interested at all around health coaching, you can reach out to me via direct message. There's, there's a, a button. If you go to rjbhealth.coach um, uh, on my homepage to, to schedule a discovery call and we'll talk more about that. Um, but yeah, I'm always happy to interact if anyone wants to, to message me, direct message me, uh, either on my personal Instagram page or, or, um, uh, the health coaching page, either way, uh, always reach out and have a chat. Ryan, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to stalk you. I'm going to stalk you on social media and everywhere else. Um, well, I, I already, I already stalk you, Jack, for all your amazing, we, uh, cooking, uh, demonstration so well we can stalk each other everyone needs a stalker yeah, yeah um yeah. so look thank you for your time this is it's so interesting to talk to you and and i just throwing these questions at you with no preparation at all and you of course came up with some amazing and and uh, very informative answers and i can't tell you how much i appreciate your time i uh, appreciate you thanks mate that's it for now Come and find me on Instagram at Rustin's Boneyard and at www.rustinsboneyard.com. Keep cooking. <laughs>